Welcome to Agents of Nothing, an episode-by-episode recap and analysis from the perspectives of a veteran and a new recruit. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. I'm recording now, and I'm ready to clap. Okay. (laughs) Is it one, two, three, clap, or one, two, clap? One, two, three, clap. One, two, three, clap. One, two, three, Good morning, Agents, and welcome to our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We are your commanding officers. I'm Mariah. And I'm Caroline. And today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 16, The End of the Beginning. Oh, yeah. And we have a very special guest with us here today, our very first guest ever. Yes. And the special guest in question is my boyfriend, Aaron. Hi. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome. Should I introduce myself, or if you would like, uh, what should I include? What uh, What's your relationship to Agents of Shield? Like, how'd you start watching it? Would you consider yourself a fan? I started watching it when I met you. Yes. Uh, just as something that we could do together, and I don't know that I would consider myself to be a fan. I think the show was enjoyable when I watched it the first time through and I don't think that I finished the series no you didn't but I'm not invested enough to go back and finish it like it's not a show that I would seek out to watch that's fair that's fair I guess you're wrong but that's (laughs) fair (laughs) I was in the same boat because you were telling me about it the whole time you're watching it and I never went to seek it out until now (laughs) (laughs) I gave you a reason to yeah I think the very first time that Aaron and I hung out one-on-one, I made him watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, I think that was the thing that made me fall in love with him. (laughs) That he did what you told him to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'll say that's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, now that we've got that out of the way... Let's get into the episode. So this episode was written by Paul Zibachevsky, and it was directed by Bobby Roth. Bobby! This episode and the one after are very, like, special episodes in regards to the tie-ins with the MCU. Oh, okay. So Marvel and the series creatives had multiple discussions with ABC to make sure that this episode would air the week before Winter Soldier released. And I do remember, it was like a really weird release schedule at the time. It was like an episode, and then they would skip a week, and then another episode, and then they would skip a week. Oh, that is weird. I was weird. like, what the hell is going on? At least I think it was that way, if I remember right. Yeah. But they did it so that this episode would be the front booking of The Winter Soldier. Cool. And that's the movie you're referring to? Yes, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Gotcha. Okay. So this episode, like the very end of it, sort of coincides with the events of the film. That's so cool. What year was this when it was coming out? This was 2014. Okay. This was early, like April 2014. Cool. All right. Tell us about the characters. So we have lots of older characters coming back for this one. Um, But the only new character is Thomas Nash. And the only thing I can say is it's always the quiet ones. It's always the quiet ones. It's not like he chooses to be quiet. He's paralyzed. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, 
We open in Sydney, Australia. Agents John Garrett and Antoine Triplett enter their S.H.I.E.L.D. secure safe house. They compare their current digs to their previous safe houses that they've stayed in, and it's pretty average, apparently. <laughs> they mention, like, the sheets with the sateen finish. Oh, yeah. Aaron likes those. Aaron likes the slippery sheets. I hate them. <laughs> I hate the way they feel. I thought I would just note that. Because that's what I thought of when they said that. I like the jersey cotton sheets that feel like t-shirts. I like to feel like I might fall out of the bed at any time. <laughs> I, I, I hate that. I hate everything about that. I'm a simple gal. I like to be cozy, and I like to stay in my bed when I lay down. I just don't want to sweat in my bed, that's all. <laughs> anyway, so Garrett tells Tripp to get Colson on the phone so that they can go over possible candidates um, for people who could be the clairvoyant. Garrett seems to think that the clairvoyant may have been someone who was rejected from the S.H.I.E.L.D. index. But in the middle of their conversation, Mike Peterson bursts through the hallway inside their apartment. Why is Mike wearing a trench coat? Literally. <laughs> I was half expecting him to also be wearing like a jaunty hat. <laughs> like Perry the Platypus. He's a little gentleman. I didn't notice the trench coat. He wore it like often throughout this episode. Yeah. I'm like, why a trench coat? What the <laughs> He's like, this is my vibe today. That's all. At least give him like a nice bomber jacket or something. <laughs> right. Um, so Garrett and Tripp hit him with every weapon they've got, including the Icer, whatever that is. It's the new name for the night-night guns from last week. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> See, I'm usually the one with the bad memory. I know. <laughs> but none of it brings him down for long, and after a few shots, Mike just flies out through the ceiling. So Garrett and Tripp are left dumbfounded. So I, I have my first note yeah. from the episode here. All right. Because this was... Like, this was the opening scene, the cold open, before mm -hmm. you get to the title card. Yeah. And so the, this dude comes in <laughs> and gets shot yeah. a bunch. And uh, the dude being Mike Peterson, that's his name? Yeah. Right. So Mike gets shot a bunch. And none of it appears to... I mean, maybe cosmetically it damages him, but in terms of his ability to function and perform as whatever it is he's supposed to be in that apartment doing... Uh, it doesn't appear to have any effect on that. And so it looks like he's in the clear to accomplish whatever goal he set out to accomplish by bursting into the apartment. And yet, instead, after getting shot a bunch and appearing to not be affected by it, he elects to jump straight up through the ceiling <laughs> and vacate. Right. Like, what was he there for? <laughs> And then it goes to the title card, so there's no context, no further dialogue other than the opening about, um, you know, who the candidates might be. Right. And then this other event happens, and, like, I don't watch the show, so I don't know if it's supposed to have any more significance than it did, but I just didn't understand what the purpose of, of showing the viewers this several seconds of footage could possibly serve. Right. Well, I think it was, it was meant to just confuse you because he does that later on, too. Yeah, he just kind of shows up. It confused me anyway. I, I don't know. Maybe that is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like a, a not distraction, but like... It's an Easter egg. I don't know. <laughs> but that is a very good point. Yeah. And it was something that I thought as well. It was just like... Okay, so he shows up, he gets shot at, he leaves. Right. And then that was it. What was he there to do? Just a little prank. <laughs> Just, hey, boo, <laughs> scared you. He's like, now you see me? 
I mean, I suppose it, it demonstrates his durability. Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess so. But beyond that, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking <laughs> at. Uh, anyway, so then we skip forward, and agents Hand, Blake, Sitwell, Garrett, and Triplet all board our favorite plane, and they meet Coulson in the cargo hold. Hand immediately complains about, this could have been a Zoom call, but then, you know, if he had a Zoom call, she would have been like, this could have been a phone call, and then that could have been an email. But anyway, we all know I hate Agent Hand. <laughs> So they all say a few lines to, like, remind us who they are, right? And then Coulson says, you must be wondering why I've gathered you all here today. Well, I'll tell you later. <laughs> Garrett is so horny for, like, literally everybody. Yes. <laughs> like, what? I don't remember what the line was he said to Agent Blake or about Agent Blake. He was like, if it breaks out in a fight, let me take Blake. <laughs> I think that I could. I could take him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I'm like, listen, I know you want to fuck everyone, but can you chill for a sec? <laughs> like, this is serious. This is serious business. <laughs> so, once they hit 50,000 feet, May informs everyone that they are directly above the North Pole because they're going to see Santa Claus, apparently. JK, Garrett says they brought everyone there as a precaution against the clairvoyant. And I don't, like, the clairvoyant can't see the North Pole? <laughs> The northern lights get in his way? I don't know. They said that, like, the, the, the thinking behind it is that, like, he wouldn't be able to read their minds or see their futures, like, that far. But they but they have been this whole time. They've been in the air this whole time. Right. So. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he was just going for whatever could be the furthest point of reference from everywhere. And who knows if it was actually effective or not, but that was just very remote. And Maybe. So they figured, why not? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Better than not doing anything, because they don't know how this clairvoyant person is able to detect their movements or get information or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right. Well. Um, so Blake and Hand reiterate that S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't believe that psychics exist. Coulson and Garrett share some of the evidence that changed their minds, and Coulson brings up Garrett's report about the hit on their safe house. Garrett and Tripp have been tracking the clairvoyant for weeks, and they believe that Deathlock came after them because they were getting close to figuring out the clairvoyant's identity. So they've narrowed it down to 13 candidates from the Index Rejects. Oh my god, debut Taylor's version Easter egg. <laughs> They're such tw Swifties. <laughs> Actually, I think that 1989 was probably about to come out. Probably. It was 2014, so. Oh my god, 1989. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, so Coulson's plan to circumvent the clairvoyant's powers is to only have one member of their team know the full scope of the mission. She will prioritize the candidates on Garrett's list, locate them, and then pair the agents off into random teams. Hand reminds everyone that whoever this person is that Coulson is describing would have to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent to be granted that kind of clearance level. And Coulson just says, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> and Sky's finally going to be an agent. I'm so happy for her. Yay! Has she not been one this whole time? This whole time. I know that time. they just sort of like picked her up in a, in a van, correct? They picked her up in a van? Yeah. Was it her van or their van? Because that's going to change how I interpret these events. It was her van. Okay, that's, yeah. that's better. But yeah, she's been a consultant this whole time. She hasn't been an official agent. Okay, so she's just been hanging around and they've allowed her to do this. Right. Yeah. Okay. They offered her the job to do it, so. <laughs> 
Um, so Sky is asking why Simmons is taking even more of her blood now. And damn, Simmons starting to give like vampire vibes at this point. <laughs> Simmons tries to convince Skye to talk to Coulson about allowing somebody else to help study the blood and the effects of the GH-325. But Skye shuts it down immediately. If Coulson thinks it's important that this stays between us, then we should trust him. What a good daughter. <laughs> and Simmons says, so you are saying that we should obey the rules? <laughs> Fitz is like, who are you and what have you done with Sky? My, my, my. How the turntables. <laughs> Literally. She suspected that she might become an agent that day, so she figured she'd better be on her best behavior. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I got a feeling. <laughs> so Ward interrupts and tells Sky that the top brass wants to see her. And is that more like military mumbo jumbo that I don't understand? <laughs> Top brass? <laughs> yeah, it is. It refers to, like, officers and commanding officers, people who are in charge, as opposed to, like, grunt soldiers. Are they made of brass? No, I don't know why they're referred to as brass. Maybe all the pins on their shirts? Uniforms? Maybe. I'll, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. I'll trust you. I'm, you. You don't have to trust me. I, I, I am just <laughs> thinking on the fly here. Aaron's a very smart man. He knows things. Yeah. We'll believe him. I believe you. Um, so they fill Sky in on the plan and Sky immediately impresses them by improving the plan to have even the paired teams not know their whole operation individually. One member would know the identity of the candidate and the other would know the location. Sky then asks how she would be able to access any shield information without someone else finding out since she isn't an agent yet. And then Coulson congratulates her on her promotion and hands her a badge. Aww so cute and then may enters with fitzsimmons who are so excited for her (laughs) an official agent finally i cry yes so sky is shocked and grateful colson explains that she passed every test that shield has with flying colors and hand adds for a level one agent literally shut the fuck up hand (laughs) please why do you hate her so much she's the worst (laughs) Can you elaborate on that? Nope. <laughs> Is it the red streaks? Yeah, that's it. I just didn't like the red in her hair. No, she's been in other episodes and she's been awful. Yeah, she just, she is very, like, uncaring about the lives of lower level agents. Yeah. And it's just very, like, unempathetic. Un- like, I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, so she, I'll sell for she's just a shitty person. Yeah. Yeah, she's just a shitty person. <laughs> Good way to sum it up. So Coulson just ignores her and continues, and you've put your life on the line. You've earned this. And then Garrett adds, yeah, you took two in the gut. That's more than Sitwell's ever done. <laughs> I love that they all hate Sitwell, too. <laughs> Sitwell's just a little worm. A little weasel. I was going to ask, is he the the little bald guy? Yeah. Yeah, he looks... <laughs> you thought there was going to be a spoiler there? Yeah. <laughs> He looks like, he looks like a target. A target? Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, anyway, so then that's like the end of Sky's graduation ceremony, apparently. And even May smiles at her and pats her on the arm. But then I remembered that I'm mad at May, so I can't be happy. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> Sorry, one second. My AC turned on. Oh my God, how dare it. I know. Fitzsimmons runs up to Skye and they hug her while Ward pines in the background. And like, 
Literally, he looked like my dog while I was eating dinner on the couch last night. (laughs) (laughs) So Fitzsimmons finished congratulating Skye, and then they head off, and then Ward comes up last, and Skye thanks him for all of his training. And Ward is actually sweet for once and lets her know that she was really made for this job. I don't remember what Ward said here, but apparently I hated it because I wrote, Yuck, Ward, that was so fucking cheesy. (laughs) I have no idea. I think he said, like, he was literally like, this is your destiny or something like that. Oh, yeah. Ah, I fucking hated that. I'm like, (laughs) shut the fuck up. (laughs) Fuck Ward. So if I want to make any references to Ward, do we hate him? Yes. That's the deal? Yes. We hate him, but we don't. We're, we only have up to this episode. Right. And we hate him. Okay. <laughs> Got it. I just, you know, in case I ever need to talk about him. You're good. You're good. Um, okay. So uh, Mike slash Deathlock is looking at his wounds in a dirty mirror. Is Mike's head metal? Like, that's fully a cut on his head with metal. Yeah. Underneath. I thought that that looked weird. <laughs> I was like, does he have, like, a like a shiny Band-Aid? I don't know. I almost wanted to, like, pause and, like, look closer because I'm like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing right now? Right. <laughs> um, so then all of a sudden there is a knock at his door. And he gets a message from his overlords saying, don't say I never gave you anything. Hate that. <laughs> so he goes to get the package outside his door. And it takes him forever to reach all the way to the ground because he's so goddamn tall. He is very tall. <laughs> We have said this before, and I will say it again. He is a very tall man. Um, And it turns out it's a metal cuff. So he puts it on his arm, and it, like, attaches itself to him. That was disgusting. I hate every scene where they do that. I know. It's so gross. Could you make it a little less painful at least? (laughs) Right. At least, like, you don't have to add the sound effects. Like, all the squishing. Ugh. I hated it. (laughs) But as soon as he puts it on, then his vision becomes more like, like the scope of a weapon. And then a new message says, they're coming after me. It's time we meet. So back on the plane, Sitwell and Coulson are discussing the pitfalls of this, quote, double blind situation. With Sitwell pointing out that they can't have any backup ready if only one person can know their locations. Coulson says that they are managing that by having backup just on call. And then Hand shows up and tells Sitwell that he is being called away to a different mission. So, Agent Sitwell is assigned to go to the boat Lemurian? Lemurian? So, Agent Sitwell is assigned to go to the boat Lemurian Star? I think I said that wrong, but... Anyways, this is the same boat that Captain America and Black Widow rescue him and the other hostages from in Captain America the Winter Soldier. It's like the opening Ooh. scene. He goes off to this mission, and he gets held hostage. The fucking deeb. <laughs> fucking deeb. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, like I said, the the movie The Winter Soldier is heavily implied to be taking place after and sort of simultaneously with the episode. Cool. Um, so, Coulson asks if Hand will be taking Sitwell's place, and she's like, um, no, this is stupid. Uh, I'm going to go back to the hub and get an extraction team ready to save your asses. And then they both leave. And I was like, what's the point of them even being in this episode? <laughs> to remind you they exist, I guess. Right. They were like, hey, you remember these guys? <laughs> now say bye. <laughs> this guy's going to be in the next movie, and this lady is going to show up later in the episode. Right. <laughs> That's what they're there for. That's it. 
Um, so Skye is walking Garrett through the basics of the plan. Garrett reminds Skye that they haven't ever officially met, so he introduces himself. And Skye says, yeah, I guess lying unconscious on a gurney shouldn't count. And yeah, probably not. <laughs> Garrett makes conversation by listing off some of his worst injuries on the job, i.e. shot in the back and the shoulder, had his throat cut and a third degree burn over his chest and throat and says that a gut shot is still worse than all of those. What the fuck, Garrett? Jesus. No one asked to hear about your gruesome injuries. Right. That was disgusting. Like, you're like, hey, nice to meet you. I have had my throat slit once. (laughs) What the fuck, dude? I think it was more of a, of an attempt to connect with another now uh soldier yeah yeah it was still it was still interesting i i want to like study him i get the like commiseration aspect of it but it's like dude and i feel like he was like pretty graphic with it too i'm like yeah okay that's that's really really nice thank you for showing me all your scars (laughs) i wanted to see that today he was like will you just will you draw stars around them (laughs) (laughs) um so Skye tells him how much she appreciates what he did for her. And they, of course, get into talking about Ward, since Ward is Skye's SO, and Garrett used to be Ward's. Garrett says that Skye must have had a big impact on Ward, too, because he's different than Garrett remembers. He says that it's the difference between working alone versus being part of a team. Quote, fighting against something versus fighting for something. Or someone. And Ward's got that now. <laughs> oh! That's cute. <laughs> I didn't find it cute. I thought it was cute that Garrett was like, I'm going to play matchmaker. <laughs> now I don't find it cute, and I also think that Garrett flirting on Ward's behalf is yuck. <laughs> I didn't like it. Um, okay, so then Garrett tells Skye that she doesn't need to call him Sir anymore. I'm a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, just like you. And then Skye smiles so big, and I love Garrett. <laughs> please 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 tell me that nothing is gonna make me regret loving garrett because (laughs) i love him so much he like tried to put on such a tough guy act at first but he's literally like the sweetest person on the goddamn planet and um, i love him (laughs) thank you for not answering okay um (laughs) so fitz is showing may a new gadget it's a tracker um, that you can shoot out of a gun, and it has a built-in receiver on it, so you could tag and track via satellite, say, a moving vehicle or a wild monkey if it was to get away from you. And why <laughs> does Fitz love monkeys so much? He talks about them all the time. Was that the example he used in the in the dialogue? Yes! <laughs> yeah, that's literally the example he used. Yes, he's talked about monkeys several times leading up to this, and I think that Fitz's monkey obsession was because Ian, in real life, is obsessed with monkeys. That's hilarious. So just then, Simmons comes in, distracted, and she starts talking to Fitz about consolidating the blood samples into an encrypted file before realizing that May is also in the room. (laughs) May guesses that they're talking about Skye's blood, and Fitzsimmons start trying to defend themselves, saying that there's just so much they don't know about the drug and its side effects, and they're just worried about Skye and Daddy Coulson, of course. (laughs) And fun fact, did y'all know that Mariah said Daddy Coulson first, but then she got scared and I stole it, and now it's my catchphrase. I got embarrassed, not scared, not coward. (laughs) Same thing. 
But see, like, I made a joke about Ward saying, get on your knees in the last episode, but I'm too scared to call Colson Daddy Colson. You were then. That was several episodes ago. We were still babies. Yeah, I'm a different person now. <laughs> I've come into my own sexuality. Yes. In, in the last month. I'm glad you all have found the strength to be vulgar in a public forum. <laughs> Thank you, babe. Um, May asks if either Sky or Coulson has exhibited signs of any side effects or strange behavior, and then Fitzsimmons start talking at the same time, like, uh, no more than usual, and strange is such a subjective term. <laughs> then May says, because if they have, or if they do in the future, feel free to contact me first. I can help, okay? And... Uh, what the fuck? Like, May, do you remember when you told Ward, you don't have to assume the worst of me. This is why people assume the worst of you, my love. Even Fitzsimmons looked, like, confused. They were they so were confused. They were like, why would we go to you? Exactly. They, were like, they were also like, why are you being so nice to us? <laughs> that was going to be my question. She's not the um, voluntarily offered a help type, is she? No. Not generally. Generally, if she's gonna help people, uh, she's gonna just like do it. She doesn't offer. Yeah, she's, there's not gonna be no. a lead up. Uh, yeah, so that was it was suspicious. So Sky finishes up. Colson. Sky finishes the. Colson, stop it. <laughs> Sky finishes up Colson's mission phone and hands it over to him. He half jokes, "I hope you paired me with someone good or at least interesting." Sky doesn't even look up. And Coulson tells her to stop worrying. He trusts her completely. He tells her to look into the candidate's psych evaluations. The clairvoyant can read our minds. See if you can read his. Okay, so uh, during this interaction that Skye and Coulson were having, Coulson says, quote, You wear your heart on your sleeve and your face. And I don't understand why he had to say the same thing twice in a row in the same sentence the one thing obviously includes the other thing <laughs> so i went and looked up the the phrase wearing your heart on your sleeve afterwards to see because it's <laughs> it's a common idiom almost everybody knows what it means it looks like it dates back to about the middle ages like in the 200s or so and its first recorded uh, appearance is in shakespeare's othello which is set in the 1500s and was written in the 1600s so let's take the youngest date, the 1600s. That means this phrase has been in the lexicon for 400 years now. And the writers of this show or the executives at Marvel or someone thought it was necessary to explain to us what the idiom, you wear your heart on your sleeve means. <laughs> I think they're just being dramatic. <laughs> but I love how, how much thought and effort you put into that 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 was very good thank you yeah i really appreciate Beautiful. it <laughs> i don't know maybe colson thought he was saying two different things like you're so emotional you wear your heart on your sleeve but also all of your emotions show on your face <laughs> i don't know he's saying that he can detect what emotions she is experiencing visually yep either yeah. way you, you cut it it's just so redundant <laughs> yeah <laughs> it irks me you do hate redundancy Aaron likes to be very precise. <laughs> you say it once and you never say it again. That's all. Yeah. That'd be the ideal world we should all live in. <laughs> I don't know. I like saying things twice. I don't know. I like saying things twice. Oh my God. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> 
So in Milton Keynes prison in the UK, Ward and Trip are paired up um, and also like roasting each other. Well, uh, Trip is roasting Ward. As he should. Yeah, of course. As we do every day. <laughs> um, he's like, so Garrett says your family is like the cable version of the Kennedys. And Ward's like, I doubt he said that. And Trip's like, fine, I stalked your family myself. <laughs> It's just what I, the conclusion I came to. So, Ward and Triplett go to Milton Keynes Prison to investigate Elijah Fordham. Um, and there actually is a high security prison near Milton Keynes that would hold this type of prisoner who is like serving multiple life sentences and whatnot. Oh. HMP Woodhill is one of eight national high security prisons holding Category A prisoners some in the close supervision center so there's that and also i don't know why i forgot to get this down but there was an interesting thing um on either the wikipedia or the imdb i think it was probably the imdb but when they show like elijah's file on the phone Mm -hmm. his birth date is uh well i don't remember the birth date but Anyways, from what the birth date says, and that he's serving, like, 18 life sentences for a killing spree in the 90s, from the birth date, he would have had to be, like, 12. Wait, I literally said that. When he went on that killing spree. I said that later. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I I thought it was interesting. I, I mean, I guess if a 12-year-old went on a killing spree, he would be tried as an adult. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, I did, I did that math, too. I was like, holy shit. Certainly would get him on S.H.I.E.L.D.'s radar. For sure. So, Ward gets mad that Trip is roasting him and reminds Trip that the clairvoyant nearly killed Skye, so this whole lighthearted convo isn't really the vibe. Trip's like, great, well, he did kill my partner, Dan Monroe. And Ward clearly did not know that, and the regret on his face is immediate and only gets worse when Tripp reveals that he was the one who had to tell Dan Monroe's six-year-old son about his father's death. This is when it becomes very clear that they are actually fighting over who the clairvoyant hurt the worst, and so who has the most claim to kill him. Ward would have a dick-measuring contest over grief. Right? Like, what? Absolutely. It's not a competition! (laughs) You can both hate him. (laughs) Um, But Ward reminds Tripp that their orders are to bring the clairvoyant in, not take them out. But Tripp knows that if Skye hadn't been saved, Ward would have a completely different attitude on whether the clairvoyant should live. Which just goes to show how predictable Ward is. Uh Uh-huh. So then Blake and May are heading to their target, and Blake asks if May is a Scorpio, because Skye must have paired them up because she thought they were compatible in some way. (laughs) Uh, Is he hitting on May? (laughs) That's what I thought, too. I I literally wrote, I was like, is Blake flirting holy shit but apparently <laughs> ming na wen actually is a scorpio oh. which that tracks that makes sense to me she seems like a scorpio well he would agree with you he said that she seems like a scorpio <laughs> she's such a scorpio <laughs> i don't know what that means but yes i agree um anyway so may's like you don't believe in a clairvoyant but you believe in astrology and like those aren't really the same thing but <laughs> go off <laughs> Um, so then they see at the front door that this is actually an assisted living facility uh, within what looks like a giant sorority house. Garrett is recounting one of his greatest hit stories to Colson, who is struggling to keep smiling through the pain. 
And Garrett's like, what, did I already tell you that one? And Coulson's like, I was there. He's like, for which part? What are you talking about? Coulson goes, the whole thing. I feel that. So then Coulson gets the text on their target. Noriko Sato, 19, a junior at Ball State and apparently a genius. And oddly enough, their road is closed and they get sent on a detour. Are are Garrett and Coulson driving through Stars Hollow? <laughs> it has to be, right? I definitely saw the gazebo. Maybe so. I don't know what lot this is on, but I think it was the same one as Gilmore Girls. That's what we're going to say. It's possible. So May and Blake get their candidate. Thomas Nash, injured in a head-on collision and has been catatonic for four years. May is very professional, and Blake is a little too snarky and sarcastic. <laughs> Can we show some respect for Agent Melinda May? I mean, goddamn. Come on. But you hate May. No, I don't. I love May. I'm getting mixed messages about it. I'm just mad at her right now. Okay. Um, so Ward and Tripp show up to the visiting station at the prison, and no one is there save for a still steaming cup of coffee. Then we cut over to Coulson and Garrett. They get caught in a trap down an alleyway on their detour. They're trapped in between a dump truck and another car pulling up behind them. So Garrett says, it'll probably make for a pretty good story one day. And hey, Coulson's in this one too. (laughs) So Blake is waiting at the nurse's station of the facility, and just as he rings the bell, Mike slash Deathlock grabs him and throws him into the wall. Instant service. We love it. Yes. But no, seriously, what is with the trench coat? For real. He just loves you it. You like that, Aaron? It's his favorite outfit. I thought that was that was nice. Thank you. I think <laughs> maybe the trench coat is more uh, for function than style, because he's gone through such extensive body modification at this point, perhaps exposing the normal amounts of skin that people show like arms or lower legs is too much maybe Mm, yeah it might give them away yeah or people would like point and stare (laughs) take pictures for instagram yeah instagram was only four years old at this point was it four i think well i don't know if it came out in 2010 or facebook bought it in 2010 I don't think Facebook bought it in 2010. I don't think that was more recent. I'm just going by when I made an Instagram because I think that I think I made an Instagram in like 2011 or 2012. So yeah, I may be getting my dates completely wrong. On <laughs> I don't know. I didn't go look this one. I don't up. Know. Anyway, so Blake immediately starts firing at Mike, but the bullets barely phase him. Mike takes Blake by the collar and chokes him, lifting him off the ground. Blake tries to beg Mike for mercy, and he brings up Ace and says that S.H.I.E.L.D. can still help him, but the old Mike can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because he's Deathlock. (laughs) (laughs) So Mike slash Deathlock throws Blake to the ground and stomps on him, his bones cracking. May sees this and calls for backup, but Mike sees her. Ugh! Um, so the other teams all start running. And, like, weren't Ward and Trip like, literally in the UK? Why did they start running? <laughs> I don't think they're going to get there in time. <laughs> oh, my God. They're so fast. So fast. Fast as fuck, boy. Um, also, apparently, Mike's arm cuff thing shoots grenades out of his arm. So there's that. Sure does. And then he shoots a grenade at May. But she dodges it and he leaves. All right, I have is- to interject here. Yeah. Uh, no, no, she does not dodge it. She does not need to dodge it. That is such an <laughs> awful shot. The man has an area of effect weapon 
in the cuff of his arm, a miniature rocket launcher, right? Mm -hmm. And so he shoots it in the general direction of May, and the rocket itself, you can tell from the smoke trail in the shot, actually arcs upward toward the ceiling and isn't really angled at her, in directly at her anyway. Mm -hmm. So either he's not trying to shoot her, or his rocket sucks, or his aim sucks, but uh, Deathlock slash Mike is a, a cybernetically enhanced human who theoretically should be better at this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. At one, aiming his weapons, and two, injuring his foes. Like, is he trying to do the job or is he not? Right. I don't, I don't well, know. Well, and that's the thing, because I, I, I made that note, too, because... Um, so far in this episode, he seems to take a shot towards the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, but he never pursues them anymore to, like, make sure they're dead. He just shoots and then leaves. So, Yeah, something. I think there's an argument to be made that, like, maybe he is sort of purposefully showing, like, throwing off the shot. Yeah. Uh, so as, like, to make it look like he's, you know, following the orders, but because these were previously his friends, like, he might be... You know, he's like, whoop, I shot, but I missed. Oh, <laughs> oh no, damn why it. does that keep happening? <laughs> Maybe. That, there's an argument yeah. to be made, or at least a speculative assertion to be made. Right. Yeah. That's all we do on this podcast, <laughs> speculatively assert. We speculatively assert, and we assertively speculate. That's, yes, exactly. <laughs> Terrific. Thank you. So, um, at the hub, Agent Blake is in critical condition as the S.H.I.E.L.D. doctors take him away. And, like, they take him away pretty slowly for someone in critical condition, but okay. <laughs> so May briefs Coulson, Garrett, Hand, and Ward on Deathlock being seemingly indestructible. May also reveals that her and Blake's target, Thomas Nash, wasn't even there. He's listed as a resident, but he doesn't seem to exist. Agent Hand starts listing all the ways that she knew this plan would go wrong, and Agent Garrett tries to calm her down, but ends up pissing her off more by calling her Vic. And I swear, the men on this show just love calling women by whatever nicknames they can come up with. It's so annoying. Ridiculous. But my thought through this when Hand was, like, complaining, like, blah, 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 in danger, and blah, 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 blah. Right. Oh, so now Hand cares about agents being in danger. Right. Now, is it only because they're level eight? <laughs> huh? She didn't give two shits about Coulson. Yeah. Yeah. And Coulson is on the same fucking level, isn't he? Mm-hmm. That, that pisses me off even more, because now it's obviously <laughs> not even about level eight. Right. It's a... It's just about who she likes. Uh, you see why I hate Agent Hand, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, I, I see. Maybe she and Blake have compatible signs. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, anyway, so Coulson breaks them up and reminds them that at the end of the day, all of their agents are alive and the plan did work. It got them their main suspect, Thomas Nash. Hand asks Coulson if Simmons is ready for a debrief. Coulson says that she's getting ready now, but Coulson has his lying face on, so I'm not sure what the fuck is going on. <laughs> on the plane, Simmons actually is getting ready for debrief with Fitz, and she is so excited because as somewhat the expert on Deathlock, she feels like she could be asked to stay at the hub. And Fitz is very worried that she'll leave him behind, 
but he correctly guesses that it's just because she wants to temporarily work in a larger, more comprehensive lab so she can run more tests on Sky's blood. And Simmons says, yes, brilliant deduction, Dr. Watson. And Fitz says he's always pictured Simmons as Watson. And I love their chronic main character syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) So who do you think is Sherlock and who is Watson of Fitzsimmons? Aaron, you're our resident Sherlock Holmes fanboy. What say you? Uh, I don't know enough about their dynamic to say. Um, I don't know. I I couldn't tell you. (laughs) I think they they clearly both think they are. But as as, uh, Caroline mentioned, the chronic main character syndrome, everybody is most important to themselves, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> I think Simmons is Sherlock. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't answer your question. <laughs> How rude of you. Get out of here. <laughs> Just as they are about to start arguing over how much Simmons may or may not eventually one day need Fitz's help on this, Tripp comes in and announces that he will also be staying at the hub. And Simmons is totally fine having his company, and Fitz has a very super normal, friendly reaction to this. (laughs) I think Simmons is more than fine having Tripp's company. Yeah. (laughs) But Fitz's little face. I know. Poor baby. So then Sky finds out more info on Thomas Nash from the Index database. He was originally a bond trader in Canada, which I assume is like a stockbroker. I don't really know what either of those people do, but they do seem very annoying. <laughs> I just know that uh, Taylor Swift's dad was a stockbroker. Yeah. I think. Right. That's all I know about stockbrokers. <laughs> <laughs> um. But the Canadian government recruited him to a secret organization. That's familiar. Canadian Shield. Yes. <laughs> Specifically for psychic people who could control human behavior because Nash claimed that he had a gift. And uh, wait a minute, Serena didn't tell him that? Interesting. Hey, we don't know that. <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. apparently crossed him off the index because he was in a supposed catatonic state, but it was apparently just an act to get S.H.I.E.L.D. off his back. It's kind of the long con, man. For real. And then as Coulson is checking back through Blake's ammo, he notices that one of the rounds fired was actually one of Fitz's GPS bullets. So go Agent Blake, I guess. Nice thinking under pressure. Yeah. Are you choosing to say that because he was being choked and crushed at the time yep yes (laughs) so then in pensacola florida a caravan of shield vehicles comes screeching to a halt outside of a racetrack not the gas station (laughs) according to fitz's gadgets there is a 94 percent chance that deathlock is inside the mostly abandoned building As the tactical team gets ready to infiltrate the building, Ward orders a few of them to stay within six feet of the van that Skye will be monitoring the mission from. Skye tries to protest, but Coulson agrees that she needs protection, if only for everyone's peace of mind, considering how quickly they've put her back in the field. And, I mean, really, like, they couldn't have had her running back in from the plane or, like, another undisclosed location. (laughs) Well, she's an agent now. She's got to be closer. I guess. I want to go back and talk about this probability that Deathlock is inside for a second. Mm-hmm. So the reason that they that they were able to navigate to this location is because Blake shot him with a tracking round, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I, I want to know how this tracking round works because it's a locator beacon tracked through GPS or satellites or radio signals, whatever they're using or whatever, you know, shield stuff. Why is it a probability? Either the signal is there and it could be faint or strong, but it like, are they 94% sure that Blake shot the guy who is Deathlock? Are they 94% sure that this is a bullet tracking Deathlock and it's not another bullet that someone else shot into some other target yeah. that's in the thing? Why is it a 94% probability that he's there? I don't know. Maybe, um, I have no idea. Maybe Deathlock could have like shaken off the tracker and like just left it in this racetrack. And so, you know, there's a, there's a 5% chance that that happened. 6%. Yeah, and that's plausible, but then they would refer to the fact that we have a chance that the target removed the tracking device from his body, not the signal being there or not there. It's it's there or not there yeah. hmm. at various levels of strength, but not probability. Interesting. Maybe, maybe they just wanted Fitz to say something smart sounding. <laughs> They're like, say a number, confuse well, them. It certainly didn't sound like that. <laughs> at least not to you. I'm smarter than everybody I watch on TV. It's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. And we know this. I don't know. Did you have three PhDs before you were 18? I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. <laughs> no, but I had more fun than Fitz did. That's probably true. Yeah. um anyway so they blow the door open and everyone rushes into the building and then it's fitz's turn (laughs) chip stop (laughs) um he looks so nervous he quickly sets up and activates the golden snitches i mean golden retrievers to find (laughs) deathlock garrett says impressive toy and fitz just smiles and says I prefer the term high-tech hardware. And that's what we call confidence and pride in your work. I know Fitz went to therapy. Yes. I cannot express how much I loved that line. It was so cute. I think Aaron could attest. I tried to keep my, like, physical and verbal reactions to a minimum because we were watching the episode together. Mm -hmm. But I think I might have, like, smirked and did a little wiggle on the couch. (laughs) There was a wiggle. There was a detectable wiggle. Thank you. I didn't have to look. I felt it. Yeah, in your soul. In the And cushions. also in the movement of the couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I do want to say that I, too, was getting uh, Harry Potter vibes from the Seeker things. Yeah. yeah. The definitely not toys drones. The Golden Retrievers. Is that what he calls them? That's what they're actually called. Yeah. When they first introduced them, though, I said that they only called them that because they probably weren't allowed legally to call them the Golden Snitches. (laughs) And now that I think about it, and I cannot believe I remember this, but it's perfect. Um, In the movie The Eternals, which is a Marvel property, yes? Yeah, it's one of the newer Marvel things. Caroline hasn't seen it. (laughs) I don't even have to ask. I know you haven't. (laughs) I haven't seen anything. The fictional characters who are portrayed in The Eternals reference dc comics batman they do whoa and they reference it as a as a piece of fiction it's not like they're talking about someone that is batman who they believe is a superhero and does the things batman does but they're talking about you know the comic book batman interesting that was a bit of a mind fuck yeah (laughs) uh anyway so 
Sky follows the video stream from the snitches and finds Mike in a far corner of the building. She turns on the backscatter effect and sees basically an x-ray of him revealing all of the hardware attached to him plus whatever other procedures that enhanced him and it like made his skin impenetrable or something. Oh shit. Mike is metal. Yeah. But when Deathlock is seen on the screen through the night vision or backscatter or whatever it is, his appearance bears a striking resemblance to his look in the comics. Oh. In the comics, he looks more like a zombie with, like, a bunch of metal extremities slapped on him for good measure. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So Mike sees the snitch, and he knocks it down, killing the signal. Fitz heads back to the van with Skye, and the rest of the team moves forward, searching the whole stadium. Skye warns May that Mike is heading her way, and oh my god, could you imagine May running towards you like that? Like, she's so fast. (laughs) She's like, got him! (laughs) But Mike gets away, because he jumps down, like, 11 flights of stairs, and... (laughs) Coulson is the closest, so he goes after Mike alone into the sub-basement. Now, we're from South Louisiana, so I don't know what the fuck a sub-basement is. Like, (laughs) are you trying to tell me that there are places where the ground is dry enough to put a basement underneath another basement? (laughs) And it's not just, like, full of water? (laughs) I know that sounds crazy to you guys, but yeah. Like, no, it's true. That's ridiculous. It's it's wild. (laughs) Sounds fake. (laughs) Aaron's from Oklahoma, so he has more experience with basements than we do. Yeah. It, do, it does not compute. <laughs> I always wanted a basement. You know, like, when you're a kid and you want, like, whatever it is that you don't have? Yeah. Like, I wanted I wanted a two-story house and I wanted a basement. <laughs> that Those were the only things that I wanted. <laughs> I was always scared of basements, actually. It was, like, in movies, basements are always where the creepy things happen. So I was scared of them. Uh, I think I was too intrigued to be scared. Maybe. So, taking notes for the show has gotten me into the unfortunate habit of yelling at the TV. But Aaron watched this episode with me, so I was silently screaming, Careful, Coulson! Be careful! Coulson, be careful! (laughs) Um, So, Coulson heads down a dark hallway, gun at the ready to defend himself. He turns a corner and, oh my god! It's just Garrett. Um, But then Mike shows up behind them. And Coulson almost gets him, but Mike ducks out of the way. So then it seems like Mike heads down a tunnel and apparently into the sewer system, um, which, according to Fitz, is under at least 40 feet of concrete. uh, So they can't get a read on that, even with all of the, like, x-ray vision tech that they have. Man, even further below than the sub-basement? What the fuck is right? this? Yeah, I was gonna say, it just gets deeper. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That can't be possible. That sounds fake. I don't believe it. That's not a real thing. <laughs> but, luckily, Coulson and Garrett don't have to go down there blind, because the Golden Snitch finds someone else in the sub-basement with them. Mm-hmm. It's Thomas Nash. He seems to be completely paralyzed in a wheelchair and mute and surrounded by TV monitors. He speaks through a computer program and says, Agent Coulson, Agent Garrett, I surrender. So Mike was leading them to him this whole time? I hate this part. It's so creepy. I know. I don't like it. 
So as Ward May and the rest of the guns make their way into the room, Nash says, forgive me if we don't shake hands. I don't like to be touched. I'm like, I get that, big guy, but that's a boundary that can be set with words. It doesn't mean you need to kill people or kidnap them and perform forced surgeries on them and then take away all of their physical and mental autonomy. But Nash tells Coulson that there are no traps. They were just destined to meet. So the character Thomas Nash was named for the Elizabethan writer Thomas Nash who wrote a story that was believed to be the first recorded use of the phrase red herring. Interesting. Stop it. Wait, that is, that's excellent writing though. Like what a good, ah! I love this show. (laughs) I love, I love that kind of foreshadowing. It's so obvious and that like nobody would know it unless they know that writer. That's so cool. Okay. Um, Anyway, so Nash says that he now understands why he couldn't see Coulson after his death. It's because Coulson couldn't see himself because, quote, you were simply a broken man who didn't know he was broken. Sounds like pop psychology to me. Right? Like, even with the suspension of belief that psychics exist in this world, that's the limitation? That's such a weird limitation to have. Yeah, I was interested in, um, you know, what are the mechanisms for how this works, too. And my thoughts were perhaps it was because. Actually, this might be a might be a spoiler. Mariah, can we sidebar? Yeah, I'll text you. Yeah, text it to me. (laughs) Caroline, just act natural. Okay. you can you can take this moment to talk about anything you want. Um, Chip is very talkative today. Yeah, I need to feed him, actually. Oh, (laughs) Okay, go do that. I'm going to do that. No wonder. That poor baby. I know. I want to get more coffee, too. I'm sorry, Should we just keep it running? Let's keep the recording running. When? Like in the Avengers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she knows that. Okay. Then I'm going to go make another cup of coffee. Okay. We'll return in a moment. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, I've confirmed that what I'm talking, what I'm about to talk about is not going to spoil anything for you. So, uh, we were talking about the mechanisms behind the clairvoyance supposed psychic abilities. And what I was thinking about was the fact that he couldn't see Coulson might have been because, uh, Coulson died. Mm-hmm. And so at that moment, even though Coulson was revived, he was fully dead. So Coulson ceased to be alive. And my thought was at that, at that instant in time, his psychological continuity, the, the, the thread of, of memory and everything that the links of all of which make up Coulson's identity and his existence ended. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was thinking about maybe it has something to do with his psychological continuity being severed and then restarted, or maybe it's a different mm-hmm. psychological continuity now, and the Coulson that exists now is a completely separate and distinct entity in terms of its identity right. compared to the Coulson that 
that was alive before it died. So the clairvoyant would have had to, like, find the new start to his, like, existence, is what you're saying. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. I, I don't know how how exactly it would work. Interesting. But that's not what he says, though. But it is an interesting line of thought. That's true. That is true. He says, you were simply a broken man who did not know he was broken. And on based on context, we can assume that this is or has something to do with uh, the clairvoyant's ability to see or not see Phil Coulson. Right. Maybe in the context of, like, thinking that he is an actual clairvoyant. Maybe broken didn't refer to his mental state, but like literally like his brainwaves. Like there was a moment of time where his life was broken in, into two. Like before he died and after he died, so he was broken. Yeah. And he didn't know he was broken. Maybe. That's true. Hmm. I like that interpretation. Interesting thoughts here. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm very smart. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> Garrett starts giving the orders to get Nash arrested and taken to the fridge. Nash continues his threat. He says, I will join Raina in your prison, Agent Coulson, but I will see you wherever you go. Just as I saw you holding Skye when she was bleeding, dying, knowing it was all your fault. And literally how? Literally how? Literally how? Like, how the fuck could that have possibly been Coulson's fault? Who wrote that part of the story arc? Because I need to talk to them. If they wanted Coulson to be blamed by everybody, they could have, like, given him... They could have, like, had him give Sky the idea to go into the house or something. Like, he literally had nothing to do with it. God forbid a grown woman be responsible for the consequences of her choices. Right. <laughs> no, it has to be her father figure's fault. Yeah. Coulson had nothing to do with it. Let's not forget that the... The person is speaking with the intent to cause Coulson pain here, and it may be no more significant than that, or true. Of course. Regardless of whether that's actually true, that's just a really good way to hurt somebody. Yeah. Very effective. I just wanted to be next to Coulson to be like, it's not your fault. That's not true. It's not your fault. (laughs) And, like, the thing is, if if it were only Coulson, like, blaming himself and, you know... Nash trying to get a reaction out of him, that would be one thing. But we also see, like, Ward yeah. fully blaming Coulson for it. Yeah. So it's, like, within the world of, like, the characters, there is at least one other person who also thinks that it's Coulson's fault that Sky got shot. Right. So anyway, so then we see Sky in the van watching all of this going down and hearing it, and she's looking horrified. Coulson's face darkens and his voice lowers, and he tells Nash, You're going away. We're going to stick you in a little box where no one can ever hear you again. Can you imagine Clark Gred speaking to you like this? Like, I'm shitting my pants thinking about it. <laughs> in a good way or bad way? I don't know. Are you shitting your pants in a good way right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shitting my pants in the best in way. In the best way possible. <laughs> it feels so good. <laughs> but nash just keeps on goading colson he says that something beyond comprehension is coming for colson and sky because quote sky has something we want who is we (laughs) and quote she will die giving it to us like do they want the gh325 like they could have just asked what the fuck what do they want 
But Nash is certain of this future. He has seen it. He says, no matter where I go or what you do to me, I will always bang! Finally, Ward shoots this guy. I've been waiting for it. They always let villains talk for too long in (laughs) these superhero shows. Like, just because someone evil and hateful has something to say doesn't mean anyone has to listen to them. Fucking hypocrite, Ward. Yes. He was talking all that shit to Trip, acting like he was more mature or a better agent. And this guy didn't even kill Sky. Like, he killed Trip's partner. Right. He just threatened Sky, and Ward's like, actually, boom, you're dead now. Yeah. Like, whatever. <laughs> I know that you were waiting for it, but I don't like this choice. <laughs> I don't like the choice either. I would have appreciated some more information from this voice. I think regardless, like, at least you need to take him in for questioning. Like, yes, he is admitting it, but, like, as Ward said earlier in the fucking episode, the mission is to take him in. Right. You you just potentially shot the one source of information that you had about this whole scheme. <laughs> and now you're not ever going to get any more information out of him because he's fucking know. dead because Ward is thinking with his dick. <laughs> and my thing is, like... They could have just, like, not listened to them to him this whole time. They could have not been, like, all standing there waiting for him to, like, piss them off, you know? Someone just take the wheelchair and start pushing him out. Like, that's nice, Thomas. Right. All right. <laughs> so everyone is shocked that Ward killed Nash, and Agent Hand is watching with Simmons from HQ and just says, I bet he didn't see that one coming. Yeah, but I saw that line coming. <laughs> We all saw that line. It was still funny. It got me. I'll I'll let you have that one, Caroline. Thank you. (laughs) But May just quietly takes Ward's gun away, and then Garrett calls the death. Ward gets escorted to one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. vehicles, and Garrett and Coulson are talking about his shocking actions. Garrett's like, well, you know, he's a specialist. They're known for their cold blood. And Coulson goes, yeah, I just didn't think Ward would do something like that. And... I'm sorry, I have complicated feelings on this. Like, I'm glad that the show is taking a hard stance against killing someone, even a villain, and they're not, like, brushing over it or allowing the viewer to be desensitized to it. Like, they're facing it. However, this man was responsible for the deaths of countless people, including many of their own agents, not to mention Sky, and he kidnapped Mike, forcing him to act as a killing machine, And showed zero remorse and was fully threatening to continue that violence, even from a maximum security shield prison cell. And Ward has also been known to be a hothead who was specifically trained to, quote, neutralize and or eliminate the threat. So, like, yes, Ward was wrong to kill him, but it is weird to me that they find it so shocking. I think maybe, I don't know, from my perspective... If Even if, like, all of those things were true, it's just a poor tactical decision. Like, it's it's bad for the mission because now they have lost their source of information. Yeah. And so maybe that's why it's so shocking. Like, I don't find it shocking that he killed somebody. I find it shocking that he would kill their one source of information. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I, didn't, I, just... I didn't read shock from the characters in that moment. Surprise, maybe, but... Uh... There wasn't anybody who indicated, like, oh, this is outrageous, or oh, this is unacceptable, or uh, it seemed that people were mostly disappointed or um, 
frustrated with the inconvenience of losing that source of inf- information? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess so. I don't know. I just, I, I found it weird in the moment. It was weird. I, I don't agree with him doing it at all, but or not that I think it was wrong and not that I think the death of this person, if all those things about his actions are true, uh, would be undeserved. But I think it was an inefficient or ineconomical way for, uh, for someone to go about doing it. Yeah. Certainly not a useful way. It wasn't a useful killing. Yeah. Yeah. Chip agrees. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this dog gets it. Anyway, uh, so Garrett advises Coulson to go easy on Ward when he talks to him, and he calls him kid. He's literally not a kid. That is a grown-ass man who just killed a person. Right. They've literally joked about Ward being old <laughs> in previous episodes, and then they're going to call him kid in this one. That was weird. Yeah. Ward was Garrett's protege, was he not? Yeah. So they have. Yeah, the men- but he's still like in his thirties. Yeah, least. he is. But they have the mentor-mentee dynamic thing. Whatever. <laughs> I guess, but he, like, it's not a like go easy on the kid situation when this is a thirty-year-old man who just shot and killed someone. Right. Yeah, that I I do not understand. I don't know why he wasn't immediately relieved of not only his firearm but his job, his paycheck. His rights to walk around outside of a jail cell. When has that ever happened to a cop? <laughs> yeah. So Garrett then heads out for his next orders, which are to find and apprehend Deathlock. I'm like, can we not give Mike even a second apiece? He didn't ask for any of this. Leave that man alone. Then May comes up to Coulson and tells him that Director Fury is finally back and waiting for Coulson. May says that Coulson can finally talk to Fury about, quote, what's been bothering him. Coulson just says, a lot's been bothering me. And May just looks at him as he walks away. And May, I need you to stop making me not trust you. <laughs> I'm so upset. Back on the plane, Skye goes to see Ward in the holding cell. And Ward is surprised to see her because he was expecting Coulson. Skye just wordlessly hands Ward a bottle of water as they sit down. Finally, she asks why he did it. She stresses that Coulson told them their orders were to capture, not kill. Ward explains everything that I said before about the unspeakable violence that the clairvoyant caused and was fully intending to continue to cause. Although Ward was, of course, a little more sky-centric in his explanation for obvious reasons. All due respect, Ward. As much as I love her, this is not about Sky. Right. <laughs> the world exists outside of Sky. It's, it, like, stop making it everyone's problem that you're obsessed with her. Right. <laughs> but then we see Fitz setting up some kind of phone to secretly call Simmons. And we know that it's supposed to be secret because when Simmons inevitably answers the phone call by yelling, Fitz! He's like, please shut up! <laughs> Why would you use my name out loud? <laughs> And Simmons is like, I thought you said this would be an encrypted line. But she keeps cutting in and out. So as Simmons starts to ask about Ward, uh, Fitz is trying to fix the connection. And in doing that, he finds evidence that someone else has been tapping into the phone line. But just then, Simmons has to go because there are agents rushing into the situation room. So she hangs up. And then Fitz begins to follow the extra Uh-oh, wire. uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Something's happening. Yes. I didn't like it. I'm, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> You're going to need to watch episode 17 tonight, okay? I will not allow you to not. Okay, 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 okay. 
And then you need to text me about it after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Sky goes to Colson in his office to talk through what happened that day. Colson says he's worried. And Sky starts to agree, saying she can't believe Ward would kill someone like that. But Colson says he's worried that Ward killed the wrong man. The man in front of them never actually spoke, only through the computer. And holy shit, I thought it was weird how he was leading them straight to him, but I didn't think that it could be a red herring, as we said. Yeah. Nash could have just been a prop used by the real clairvoyant to end the investigation neatly so that he can continue his violence without S.H.I.E.L.D. interference. And I don't know, I can't remember how I felt about it without prior knowledge, like on first watch. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I do think that a lot of my ickiness when it comes to the Thomas Nash situation is just that, like, it's so sick to use someone like that who can't do anything about it. Right. They can't defend themselves. They can't, like, you are literally speaking for them. And we all know how much I hate that. Fuck autism speaks. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, I, ugh, I hate it. I hate it very much. A lot. At this point in the episode... Colton is insinuating that it is very plausible that that could be the situation. Do we have confirmation that it was just, it's a theory at this point? No, it's just a theory. Right. It's a theory, but it's a theory that they're becoming more and more sure of. That is pretty gross. I mean, well played in the sense of being effective deception and subterfuge, but... God damn, that's cruel. It's a good evil plan. Yeah, it's a great evil plan. <laughs> Excellent evil that's plan. That's what I wanted to say. It is a great evil plan. <laughs> but I didn't want to sound too appreciative of the evil. Yeah, I get you. I we, get you. Get I understand. You. It, is a, it is a great evil plan, but just like as a thing to do, it's like, ugh, what the fuck? Stop that. Don't, right. don't do that. That's not a nice thing to do. <laughs> But so now the clairvoyant is out there and in their heads and in their files, as Sky points out. Coulson told her to check into all those psych evals, and she remembers that Coulson's psych eval mentions his father's death as a defining moment. And that was what Raina used to make Coulson believe that the clairvoyant was really psychic. And Ward said that the clairvoyant somehow knew how to push all the right buttons. Sky points out that these psych evals aren't just personality tests, they're surveillance on every agent. They say where you're stationed, who you would visit, where you'd want to eat, and so the call is coming from inside the house! (laughs) The clairvoyant is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and I swear to God, if it's Fury, I'm going to burn everything (laughs) down. (laughs) Coulson finally goes to see Ward, and he's coming in hot. Ward starts trying to apologize and explain, but Coulson's like, save it. I don't want your apologies or excuses. All I want to know is if you made the call yourself or if someone ordered you to do it. Ward is completely caught off guard. And Coulson says, don't play dumb, Agent Ward. And Phil, we all know he's not playing. As if Ward is that good of an actor. (laughs) So then Fitz is back at the electrical room and he finds May's secret encrypted line. May walks in on him, though, and Fitz very nervously makes up an excuse for why he was in there and leaves as quickly as possible. <sighs> ah, it's so stressful. I know. I'm like, I was freaking out. I'm sweating. <laughs> Me too. So then he's walking very purposefully away from the cockpit and the May area of the plane, and he runs into Sky, who was looking for him. She startles him, and he makes, like, karate hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
he's like, he's like, I didn't do anything. This guy's like, what? I didn't say you did. Wait, what did you do? And I love the siblings vibe. They're so great. So Fitz immediately gives in and he whispers to her, why would May have an unauthorized encrypted hardline in the cockpit complete with a thumb scanner? That isn't in any of the plane's specs. She's not supposed to have that. Who is she talking to? And Skye is flabbergasted, but quickly realization falls over her face. She sends Fitz to cut the, cut the line and he runs away as fast as he can. Just as May is beginning her call out, Fitz cuts the connection. Perfect timing. But May gets mad and grabs her gun. What the fuck? It's getting real. Fitz, run! Ooh! So then Ward is trying to convince Coulson that he made his own call, but Coulson does not believe him. Sky barges in and interrupts, saying, we have a fucking problem. <laughs> I wish they'd said that. Right? That's what they meant. <laughs> so May silently makes her way through the dark lab and cargo hold. She hears a noise behind her and shoots. Two bullets, stopped by the bulletproof glass of the lab, are directly in front of Fitz's shocked and terrified face. She would have killed him! Oh my god! Coulson appears at the top of the stairs, ordering her to put her weapon down, aiming his own gun at May. May says, it's not what you think, it's just an icer. But Coulson says, well, this one's not. It's real, with real bullets. So you you better put yours down and tell me what the hell is going on right now. There he goes, repeating himself again. (laughs) This one's real, with fake bullets. (laughs) Um, May hesitates and then says that she can't. Skye then shows up in another doorway with her own gun drawn and tells May that she better listen to Coulson. But May just tells her, you have no idea what you're doing. What the fuck? What is going on? So confused. My thought during all of this, and I think I even said it out loud to Erin, as like, this must be so stressful for Caroline. May is her favorite character. It was. I was freaking out. So Sky points out that May isn't fast enough to take out both of them, so May finally stands down and says she can explain everything, but not here. Coulson fires back, why not? You gotta make another call on your encrypted phone in the cockpit? Who's on the other end of that line, May? And May just says that she can't tell him that. So then Coulson starts throwing out all the evidence that they've put together about Mike putting Blake in critical condition, but May coming out unscathed about Mike leading them straight to his boss, except that wasn't his boss, was it? And May says she has no idea what he's talking about, but Coulson won't hear it. He's like, stop lying to me. Tell me who's the real clairvoyant. And as May is reeling from this accusation, the plane suddenly changes directions. Who is flying the plane? My God. Holy shit. I think we can suspend disbelief enough to just accept that this is a significantly advanced hover plane that does what it wants <laughs> or can be remote controlled. It's, it's a sentient plane. <laughs> the plane is magic. Yeah. It's like the magic, the magic school bus. Aww. It's the magic bus. The magic shield bus. It's the magic shield bus. <laughs> Someone make fan art of that. Yes, please. So Colson studies himself and then aims back at May. What did you do? Where are we going? But May insists, I don't know. I didn't do it, Phil. I don't know what's happening right now. I swear. Ah! Every time she calls him Phil, it's just such an intense moment. I know. Back at the hub, Agent Victoria Hand is watching the view from the cockpit on the wall behind her. She says, when that plane touches down, take out everyone on board. Take them out? (laughs) 
What? Except Agent Coulson. He's mine. Um! (laughs) (laughs) And thank God there's no post-content content on this one because I cannot take anything else. I can't take any more twists. What the fuck? It was like telenovela level ending. Like... Holy shit. So the original post-content content, when it first aired, was a trailer for Captain America the Winter Soldier, which, oh. you know, that was coming out, like, within the week between this episode and the next episode. Oh, okay. And so in that trailer, Nick Fury is being pursued by assailants posed as cops, and he finally encounters the masked man who is the Winter Soldier. And then for next week's episode, it was strongly suggested that viewers watch The Winter Soldier to understand what exactly has changed in the MCU and how this will affect the agents. Oh, so do I need to watch The Winter Soldier before I watch the next one? No, just watch episode 17. Just go, just watch okay. it. Just jump in. I'll still be right, Just do it as soon as you can and then text me about okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, what a monumental feat of marketing that is. Right? You know, usually it's, it's like... You know, oh, if you don't watch this week, you're gonna, you're not gonna understand what's happening next week, and that's its own level of mm-hmm. baiting people to stay engaged with with the content, and that's a formula that's worked, right. you know, for as long as we've had serialized stories on television. Yeah. But this now is like, oh, but wait, you're not gonna get it unless you right. go spend your twelve bucks on a movie ticket <laughs> this week and have the episode watched. You're gonna be behind. It worked on me. I mean, it's it's ingenious, impressive. Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, the embodiment of what people cite as their reasons to not like the MCU because you have to watch like this huge body of work in order to get what's going on. Right. But it definitely was a very exciting thing. Like at the time, at least for me, and I know for a lot of other people, and I'm going to get into it more in the next episode, but like it, it was, it was really exciting that like this thing I loved and this other thing that I loved were so interconnected that I'm like, Oh my God, this is a lead up to the movie that I'm going to see on Friday. This is so cool. You know, like it's a web that you get to be part of. Yeah. And it was really, really fun. And I look back on that time very fondly. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a nice little triple whammy. Yeah. 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 Instead of having the, to be continued at the end of the episode. So you get to like string your two weeks together. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like getting a really long third, like third episode in the middle, <laughs> an extra long one. It's a, it's a, and it's a really long third episode that doesn't include any of the characters from the show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except for Sitwell. <laughs> yeah, except for Sitwell. <laughs> Fucking Sitwell. Okay, I had a lot of thoughts on this episode. All right. Yes, <laughs> let's get into your overall thoughts. Um. So, first of all, I thought this was an excellent episode. I I did not expect any of the twists and turns. And I thought it just, like, the writing was so good. There were so, there are so many possible villains. And, like, with such interesting and, like, different motives for each of them. Like, yes. I, my brain is reeling. If I could interject, like, that is what I love right now is that you... Like, I know for a fact that you have literally no fucking clue yeah. what's in the next episode. 
I have no idea. There is nothing I could even hint at that would spoil it for you. <laughs> because you have no fucking clue. Yeah. There are so many twists just within the episode. Yes. Like, okay, so our, my suspects, I, I'm i just going to list them off. I know you know them, but... Um, so, like, first, our first option is May. And, like, okay, just for my own sake, May cannot be a villain. <laughs> There's no way. She cannot be a villain. There is no way. <laughs> like... I don't know what she was doing, but there is just no, there's no way she was intentionally trying to hurt Coulson. Like, he was the one who pulled her out of retirement, so her working against him this whole time would have taken a shit ton of both assumptions about a man who constantly baffles his superiors and surveillance of him day and night. And, like, May has been his friend for so long, so, like, in order for her to have changed her loyalties like that something major must have happened so like they better have a damn good reason if she's the villain (laughs) so then the next one is ward and i loved the nuanced take on such a tough like moral and ethical dilemma and i hate that i understand ward's mindset (laughs) uh because i hate him but i did i understood it like in his mind he was trying to prevent further damage being done by the person that he had every reason to believe had hurt and would continue to hurt the only people that he cares about like it was a rash decision that ultimately is leading to more problems but Either he was manipulated into it by someone who was literally using his personal information, as he said, to push all the right buttons, or he has been a double agent this whole time, and I've said that he was a villain from the beginning, (laughs) and I was only half joking. (laughs) But maybe this is his origin story? Like, there are so many possibilities with him, and I... uh, That one is very interesting to me. Um, And then... There's also Agent Hand. Fuck her. Hate her. Has hated her from the beginning. She has not been trustworthy from the second we laid eyes on her. Um, and as we said in her first ec- her first episode, she was actively trying to hurt Coulson and his team. And, like, this one is an obvious choice and a shocking one at the same time. Because, like, we've been led to believe that she was just really so bogged down by the greater good and the big picture of shield that she was willing to cut her losses and just risk some casualties. But like, what if she was actively hunting down her targets this whole time? Like, Oh my God. Um, so those are my suspects and (laughs) I don't know who it is, (laughs) but I, they're, they're all so interesting. Um, and then, just my last thing, I just wanted to point out that Ian's acting in the last, like, at the end of the episode, I could literally read every single emotion on his face at once. Like, the terror, the confusion, the betrayal, I could literally feel it all. And these shots of his face only lasted, like, less than a second. So, like, kudos to him. That was yes. excellent. I have said before, and I will say again, I need Ian and Elizabeth to become, like, huge, well-respected actors. Absolutely. They're so good. They're so good. Do you have any overall thoughts, babe? Um, about the episode? Yeah, like any stray thoughts or observations? No, not not really. No. Well, it was great having you on. We're going to do our little social media spiel, so if you would like, you can stop recording and 
head on back. Thanks for being on the pod. Yeah, we really enjoyed having you. You're welcome. It was nice. Thank you. I told you it would be. (laughs) (laughs) We're fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. All right. So that concludes our episode on season one, episode 16, the end of the beginning. If you want to keep up with us, you can follow us on TikTok at Agents of Nothing Podcast, on Twitter at Agent Nothing Pod. You can go to anchor.fm slash Agents of Nothing and send us a voice message with your thoughts. We would love to hear from you. Yes. You can also donate to us on Anchor if you want to, if you have the extra money. We need gas and rent and other such things. We would like that very much. (laughs) You can also email us at agentsofnothingpodcast at gmail.com. And we're probably going to do a little bonus episode in between seasons one and two to read them on the show. Yes. Yeah. And as far as our personals go, you can find me, Mariah, on Twitter at fullswampwitch underscore on TikTok at Submarine Warfare and on Instagram at Submarine Warfare. And you can find me, Caroline, on Twitter at RustyPage95, on Instagram at underscore RustyPage, and on TikTok at CrazyGinger995. <laughs> Next week, we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 17, Turn, Turn, Turn. So stay tuned for that. Okay, bye. Bye, love you. Bye.